Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey guys, welcome to The Tapping Go. My name is Matt. My name's Freddie. Each week we bring you your rugby fix with interviews with past and present rugby professionals and we get their views on the latest sporting issues. Hey guys, this week I'm very happy and excited to announce that we have our first South African on the podcast. It's taken a while, but this week we have someone with over 30 caps to Springboks. He's won both Super Rugby and the French Top 14 and he's recognised as one of the hardest men in rugby. I'm pleased to say that it's none other than Flip van der Moer. Flip, thanks for joining us. How have you been? Cheers, Freddie and Matt. Yeah, um, good introduction there. Um, um, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm happy to speak with you guys and, and well done with what you guys have done so far. It's, I've listened, listened to a few since you've invited me and it's, it's, it, it's good. It's good. It's good. It's good fun. Oh, I can't wait to get started. So how's quarantine been doing? So how, what have you done to keep entertained throughout the period of time? Well, quarantine now. Um, yeah, well, um, entertainment, it was quite, it's quite relative, isn't it? Um, um, as I said earlier, I've, I've, I still have luckily, I was lucky to have a place in, in Claremont still, um, which I have a little bit of a garden, a little bit of an outside. So it wasn't, it wasn't too bad to be, to be locked down here. Um, I also, um, I think we'll get to that, but as I'm, 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 I'm studying at the moment as well, and we have to work full time while we study. Um, so I had that to had, had the studies and the work to keep me busy. So I didn't focus on it a lot. Um, I only think, I don't know how you guys feeling, but you know, it, it's getting to me around now. <laughs> it's, it's almost funny that the lockdown is sort of over and it's getting tough now because like everything just feels a little bit more stressful. Um, but yeah, lockdown, lockdown has been good and it's, it's been fun and it's been, it's been a game changer, I think, for, for all us young people. Um, it's, it's, it shows you what can happen to the world very fast. So, yeah, it's a good experience. Yeah, I completely agree. So, obviously, more focusing on rugby now. You attended Grey College in South Africa, which is obviously a very prestigious rugby school. Did you find that going to a school like Grey's helped you with your pathway to professional rugby? Um, it definitely did in, in, in certain aspects. I mean... Um, it's always a funny thing because I mean it's it's the same thing everyone says. Oh, you know, if you if you if you played for South Africa and um, 
you know, all my all my French mates, they meet someone and they they've been to Gray and they played for South Africa and now they're in France. You know, it's, it's sort of like a the route you take. Um, but Gray Gray is a phenomenal school. Um, it's not much different to the other big ones uh, in South Africa. Um, the real difference, I think, with Gray is is um, it's it's literally a way of life. Um, you don't go there to play. You, you don't go there to play rugby. If you think you're going to go to Great just to play rugby, you're going to get a hell of a surprise, and you're probably not going to get in one of the teams. Um, it's it's literally that you must be one of the most must must be most one of one of the most balanced schools. You know, um, it's only in, in your final year of school they make you literally choose between your sports, uh, and you have to say, listen, yeah, um, summer sports going to be this, winter sports going to be this, and that and that's what you need to do because they. And I think that's why all, all of the great boys they are they are such good such good all round sportsmen. Um, you've seen many, plenty of plenty of guys in in grey have been uh, a guy like Hansi Grenier has been South African captain in cricket and he could have been just as well captain in in um, in rugby as well. Um, so you you get a lot of that, and then obviously because you go to such a, a prestigious school, you get a lot of opportunities and you get to play against the best, um, and you you learn how to work work very 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 hard. Uh, so, um, because the competition is so tough to make it in school level, uh, you work very hard, and I think that's why a lot of a lot of great boys are successful um, later on in life. Because mm. we we've got a great work ethic. What so would you say the work ethic is what makes a schoolboy rugby team? So the South African under eighteen team so strong because it is regarded as being think, arguably yeah. the top. I do think so. I do think you see you see the. If you go, I don't know if you guys have ever been to South Africa, but if you go visit Gray um, and you see where it is, then you understand why there's there's less distractions than there are in the big towns in the UK and <laughs> and in Auckland, New Zealand, for example, or where the other big schools are. So um, the focus really is is just on being a, a good wholesome boy and a good wholesome man at that school time, and and everything you do is 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 integrated with the school, integrated with this, uh, around the school. Um, and I, I do think there's there's a big focus at school level on on that on giving sport as a as a way of of um, you know getting away from everyday life. You know, what I mean, because like life in South Africa is not as easy as it is uh, any other advanced country. Um, so you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of external things that could bother you. You know, that that distracts you and. Um, and I think for a lot of the boys, that's a that's a great sport. It's a great distraction overall from from outside life and normal life. Um, and yeah, that's why at a young level we are very serious about sport. And you see a lot of a lot of young guys coming through and, and being good at it. Yeah. So obviously, then moving on, you made your Super Rugby debut in two thousand seven. Was this something that you knew was going to happen for quite a while before? Isn't so you had time to prepare for it, or was it a bit of a shock and a surprise to you? Um. It was a bit of a well. It was sort of a weird thing, you know. I never, I never really saw myself as being becoming a professional rugby player. Um, it was, you know, as you as you grow up, you have these heroes, and you have the guys like Victor Matfield playing at Springbok and Bucky Puerta and those guys. You never, you just just think, you know, there's no way, you know, I can be that good or I can ever, I can ever do that. So, and obviously, for the love of the game, you continue playing. Um, and I went to the uni in, in Bluefontein as well, um, which is much a town like Exeter. It's it's a it's a, a smallish town and rugby mad and um, and you know playing for the uni is is as big honor as playing you know, 
uh, don't say internationally, but but playing for your province. Um, so I enjoyed. I enjoyed my time playing for the uni, and I was involved with the squad, but didn't get a didn't get a big bite um, of Super Rugby. I think I played in my whole career at the Cheetahs about seven games or in, in there thereabout. You know. Um, I think the first training I had with them was around 2004. So <laughs> if, you, if you take that into, it wasn't, you can't call it a success that I had over there, but you know, at the, at the same time, there were great locks at the, at the Cheetahs back then. And they were, they were running carry cup champions over that time when I was there. Um, so there wasn't, it was just a, a time and place era, you know, um, I was happy to, to, to share that time with them, but there was just no, no real spot for me. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, enjoyed my time over there. And yeah, so you mentioned like Victor Matfield and Backy's Bolter, and you moved in 2009 to the Bulls. You had both of these like iconic locks, um, arguably the best lock pairing rugby scene. What was it like, sort of training with them and being such a young boy? Like, yeah, um, yeah. Well, you say young boy. I was I was 25 when 25, I moved. Yeah. 24. <laughs> um, so it is, you can see it as quite a late boomer. Um, and it's a very funny story of how I got to move as I was, I was 24, I finished uni, you know, I really tried to stay in uni for a long time because <laughs> it was, it was fun. Um, and I decided, well, you know, I, I, I need to stop hanging on to this dream of rugby and, and get a real job and, you know, win my life for real. And I started working for a financial advisory uh, called Sunlam, um, where, you know, and can't really remember the dates but I sort of started working in April and one week into into being in an office job you know I I got a call from my old university coach and asking me you know what the hell are you are you up to these days um and you know when he when he gave me the opportunity to go to to go to the Bulls you know it was it was like juggling a glass ball um because you know you say how, how could you say no the bulls just won 2009 just won super rugby you know you can't say no you know why would these guys be interested in you at the same time in your head if you are actually finished with professional rugby you know you sort of retired 24 happy days you know everything you're going to settle down and become the family man or whatever um but yeah i, I just i just told myself at the time you know, if you can go somewhere and learn from some people, uh, if you don't make it, then at least you can say you didn't make it with the guys at the Bulls, like, you know, and you train every day with the likes of the, the guys like Victor Matfield and Bucky Puerta and Pierce Piss and, you know, you name them, Mornay Stein, uh, you know, they were, they were, they were all there. You, you rock up first day of training and you're like, yeah, geez, this guy's, you know, I, like last Saturday I watched them on telly playing for the Springboks and now they're here training and they're just normal people like we are, you know, so, so when Bacchus um, left, how did you feel when you knew that you had to step up into his shoes? Yeah, um, he was he was there. He was still there. He only left 2011 after the World Cup. So so we 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 played a couple of. He was he had a couple of bad breaks with injuries. So and that actually helped helped my case to play a little bit, um, especially 2010. You know, 2010. You know, he was he, he sort of made a come comeback two or three weeks be before the final and I was absolutely shattered, you know, I was just like, oh man, I've done this whole season and now I'm not going to be part of the, part of the finishing, you know, uh, and you know, it's, it's, it's a bad say, but luckily he got, got injured and I got back in and, um, you know, the rest, the rest is history. So, 
but yeah, it was, it was, as I said, it's just every day you play with the guys, like they were so open and, and, and teaching you, learning your stuff and, um, you know, stuff about the game and stuff about life. You can, it was just such a great learning experience, um, which I always keep with me and which I try to be to young guys whenever I meet them still today, you know. Oh, sure. And I guess you won Super Rugby um, with the Bulls. Uh, can you just quickly touch on that? Yeah. What a great party, mate. I mean, it, it, went so, it went so fast. Um, it's literally, I think the first thing, well, the one thing I remember is the sound of the Vuvuzelas. I don't remember if you, if you guys saw it, if you, if, you, if you watch on YouTube now and you can just hear this noise. Um, because because the, the World Cup was in South Africa, soccer world, football World Cup was in South Africa in 2010, we weren't allowed to play on Loftus, uh, which was the, the Bulls' home, home ground. Um, there was, it was sort of, sort of a bit of a you know, surreal feeling about you know, what the hell's going on here. And we played the semi-final on Orlando Stadium as well in the middle of Soweto, which is like a historical football ground. Um, of the Kaiser Chiefs, which is um, which is a, a big big old soccer team, a big old bad soccer team. They beat everyone. Um, uh, Orlando Pirates, sorry, they will kill me if I say Kaiser Chiefs, sorry. But anyway, uh, and we went to play. I, I can remember driving there to the bus and you, and you see the, uh, the cultures mixing before the... I think that was that was probably the biggest thing staying with me. Is, it's like, oh, it, it felt like um, uh, uh, a melting pot, but in a good way of South, of South African cultures before we went to play is that we was, you know, uh, Soweto is, is, is one of, it's like the original township in South Africa, but also one of the most poor, poor areas in South Africa. Um, and you were seeing all the supporters coming in, 80,000 of them streaming in there and, you know, having, having barbecues next to a road, like, um, all the houses were just open. People were inviting everyone and people were, you know, you know, arms around, arms around the shoulders everywhere and singing and waving flags. And it, that, that, that whole feeling and that whole picture was probably the, probably bigger than the, probably bigger than the final, winning the final, um, which felt pretty easy um, <laughs> saying in brackets now, but you know, um, that, that whole feeling w which should, would probably stay with me. And I even think if you speak to any of the Stormers guys that play that day as well, they, they will say the same thing. Mm. Yeah. I mean, having watched the highlights, I know it was one hell of a, one hell of a game as well. So obviously, I think it was in 2015, you decided to leave South Africa and move to France. I was yeah. wondering whether you could just sort of evaluate a little bit on the reason behind this and also whether it was always going to be France, whether there was a move to somewhere else on the cards. Yeah, the move to France was, was, um, was also interesting. Was, um, I didn't really see myself moving. Um, I think also you were in a little bit of a bubble and I was always, you know, I'm going to, as I said earlier, I'm going to try this rugby thing. If it works out, it works out. If it doesn't work out, you know, it's okay. I can go back. I've got an office job. I'm happy. I'm happy to go with it. And I was 30 years old at the time. Um, and and super rugby is isn't such a sense that when you when you get to when you get to 30, there's very little people that can actually still play at a good level after 30. It's just so fast and so incredibly skillful that, you know, you just, you just lack behind. I think if you go through the record books, you know, there might be a, a Nonu and a Umaga and a Matfield. Mornay Stein is a little bit up, but, but like really at a good level. Mm. McCall maybe at the end. Um, 
you know, but even he didn't play a lot of super rugby, you know, it's just he played a lot of international rugby. Um, but yeah, um, so 2015 came and I got injured just before the World Cup 2014 in the test match. Um, very frustrating, got a, a bad knee injury, so couldn't prepare for the world, couldn't prepare for the World Cup. Um, and it, it's a, was the first big injury in my career, really. You know, it stopped me from being a professional. Um, and it sort of you know, made me reflect on a couple of things. And I got the opportunity to come to Claremont, like in that year, when I just, as I got injured, which is sort of a funny thing. Um, as I got injured, they, they like even invited me over to come visit. Um, and at the same time, the, I got cut from the contracting system from the Springboks because you sort of, you know, you're the outgoing the outgoing guys and which is understandable it's 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 how it works so um i think it, it could have been a little ego thing as well you know you get this one side someone is interested in you the other side someone is letting you go so and i mean you know i have to be honest you know it is a, a financially it's a, it's a great decision um family wise my brother was in in up in france already he was at the at the time was here for 10 years or something already that he's been living in france so you know, I, saw, I sort of saw it as a move to come closer to him as well, and then obviously as a as a good rugby move. Um, I mean, today I'm very happy I did it. At the time, I was thinking, "Geez, what am I doing at this town? You can't speak a word of French. It's horrible. It's cold. <laughs> it's dark." Um, but yeah, um, at the end, I'm, I'm I'm very happy I did it. Yeah. Mm. And I guess you won the top 14 in France and I guess you can compare it to winning the Super Rugby with South Africa. How, how would you say, what are the main differences between the winning top 14 and winning Super Rugby? Yeah. Um, it's two very different animals. Um, the top 14 and the, and the, and the Super Rugby. It's, it's like the, the Super Rugby actually goes, goes very fast. I mean, you play... 13 games, I think, 13 or 14 games, 16 games max through the year. Um, I mean, top 14, it's such a long season. It's such a long season. You, you play you play each other twice. I mean, so you, you go to, when you get to 26, it only starts with playoff games, you know. So <laughs> it's, you have to be constantly, constantly have to be very good and you have to be so so focused, you know, on, on, the, on a very tedious job. Um, Obviously, there's a. I think between the top six and the top fourteen, and and, and and the rest, it's a, it's a. There's a big, there's a big level difference as well, and and you get to play in some some peculiar places as well. Um, so it's a it's a it's a very it's a very. Uh, if you if you want to compare the two, it's 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 a long it's a long way away from from each other. Um, whereas top rugby, it's. You know, it's it's fast, and you you play the best, and it's only the best versus the best, and you never really change a team. There's not um, as much a squad system as in, in France. You have to be 45 guys. Um, I think in the Premiership it's almost the same. You have to be a squad of 45 guys that's really at a good level to go. You know, um, so yeah, winning winning the top 14 is a is a, a relief. Eh? You're like, finally, you know, we could do it. I think, and we went a couple of years, you know, 15, 16, and 17. You know, and uh, 19, like in the final, and then, and then you know, uh, we only won in 17, so which is which is kind of you know, do all the work and then don't finish up. Um, so it's it's a great thing, and and the, the people in Clermont is is rap, they are rapid mad. Everyone, the whole town. When we got back with the trophy, the town square had like 
you know, 80,000 people or whatever, you know, just back to the rafters and it's, it's, it's crazy. You know, you don't pay for a beer for two weeks, you know, so it's actually, it's, it's a, it's, it's quite a good experience. Yeah. Just before we move on to your international career, I was wondering whether we could touch on one particular incident which happened in France is when you got your four week ban for pushing the ref. Oh man. And most people saw it, most people saw it as harsh, but then obviously it ruined your chance of playing with the barbarians, which any player would dream of. Cause that's such an honor. Exactly, exactly, exactly. It's such a sensitive point. But yeah, um, I mean, you compare it to Owen Farrell's thing this weekend where he took a guy's head off. Um, and if you, if, you, if you watch the video where I pushed the ref, well, pushed him. I mean, he's standing there on our side. I mean, what, what should a guy do? I mean, but anyway. And it was, I mean, it got down from, from eight weeks. They started at eight weeks with me. It was, it was just like when you hear it and you, and you know you have to play Barbarians the next week. And it's just, you know, it was just such a bad thing. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll put it in my files of why I hate referees and then <laughs> and move on. <laughs> Any other reasons you hate referees then? Well, probably every card I got. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think in my, in my last year, I, you know, I got red carded two or three times. <laughs> You know, for the new tackling rule, and you just you just knew it was time to to move on. <laughs> I guess moving on and talking about your international career with the Springboks. So you were called up in 2010 and made your debut against France. What was that like? I guess being in Grey College—that's all you could think of playing rugby with the Springboks, and it finally happening. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's a it's a funny thing, you know. As I as I said, you know, you you grow up in Grey College, and and you have these honour boards. Um, and in the main hall of Great College, you have the honor boards, and then you have the like every now and like only the great Springboks, you know, there's, there's, there's been plenty. <laughs> so, only the great Springboks they invite to actually present the jersey to the school, and then they put them in these boards. Um, so, you, 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 you're all your life, you know, since you go there, you see these jerseys and you see the names on the board, and you think, yeah, you know, this that must be a thing. Um, and then, as I said, I, I never thought. That, that would be me. I never thought that I'm going to be a Springbok and I'm going to be, you know, I joke, I joked one day to our fitness trainer, you know, because we, as I said, we train very, very hard. You like wake up every morning at five o'clock and train as a, as a 17 year old, you know, it's, it's just, a, it's a different type of life than the normal guy. Um, and, and one morning, you know, I was on the, on the, on the edge of breaking down. He said, come on, you can do it. And, um, and I, I went through a phase where I lost a lot of uh, lost a lot of weight as well. I, I played prop, and then I played prop at 16 years old. Moved to lock to second row at 17. You know, um, lost about 20 k's on a over a over a, a Christmas holiday. Uh, I just I, I I stretched a little bit, luckily as well. You know, and, and um, but, I mean, body changed a lot, and then. I, I jokingly, the guy told me, come on, you should do it. And, you know, motivated me through the thing. And after the worst session, I made it. And I, I tapped him on the shoulder and told him, thank you. And one day when I'm Springbok, I'll give him my first Springbok jersey. You know, I, you know it's like a, like a joke, you know, between boys and whatever. Uh, which I did, which I did. Uh, he's, he has my first, he has my first test jersey. But the call-up, the call-up was out of this world. I mean, 2010 was an incredible year. I played super happy for the Bulls. Um, were actually good it's not just super rugby you actually beat people you play with all these guys play the final win the final um had that massive cultural experience um i got i got called up for so before they announce a squad they like call random people and tell you to to you have to hand in your passport 
So for in case you get called up, you have a visa and you can travel and all those kind of things. So I, I wasn't that squad, but I, I mean, that's a squad of like 80 guys. So you, you can't read anything into it, but even, even that, you know, even I was, I can remember I like speaking to my parents, I'm telling them, no, I had to hand in my passport to the spring box. You know, it's like everyone, all family is happy congratulating you. And you have to tell them, no, no, wait, it's, it's good. Um, and anyway, I, I, I was on holiday. Um, I was in Namibia on the like riding through the dunes. Uh, it's it's hell of a lot of fun there, and um, just enjoying a bit of a break after a very tough season. And it was good, and we had with friends, and um, like got back to my phone end of the day, and it was like hell of a lot of missed calls. Like everyone trying to to call me, and I don't know. And our manager at the Bulls tried to call me, and Victor Matfield tried to call me, and you know and at the end i just okay something must have i don't know what you know is is you know the first thing you think is something bad must have happened you know my house burned down or my dog walked away or i don't know you know something must have happened um and i give him a call back and there's this guy charles vessel speaking to me who says no he's from the spring box uh, and they want me to be in cape town on monday uh, and we're speaking it's it's saturday evening around six o'clock I'm in Namibia, um, which I don't know if you know your geography. It's it's quite a far way away. <laughs> um, and I'm like, you know, come on, man. You must be, you must be, you must be joking. You know, I'm, I'm about eight beers strong as well at the time. So I'm not taking everything too serious as I should. Um, and, and, you know, and I, I, I put the phone down. I was like, man, this, this is, it must be a joke. And luckily afterwards, Vani straight on, he called me again and told me, you know, listen, yeah, this is really, this is serious. You need to, you need to concentrate now. <laughs> and I had to be in Cape Town on eight o'clock on Monday morning. Um, so yeah, I, I finished up there and the next morning I drove out of um, which is about, it was an 18 hour drive. I drove straight down to Cape Town and the Monday morning I was greeted into the Springbok squad, which was, um, I mean, it's the Monday morning you arrive, they give you a, you know, your training kit, you're going to go train. You do a little bit of fitness, which is like already you're like, you just drove so far. And then on the Saturday I played my first test. Um, so it was, a, it's a whirlwind. Um, I can't remember anything of that match. Um, uh, and especially coming back to Claremont, which was actually funny because it was 2010 Claremont won the top 14 and was their dream team. And that whole French team was full of, was full of Claremont guys. And we gave them 50 or something on, on Newlands. It was actually, it was actually quite fun. Um, but yeah, it was, it, it happened so fast, you know, and I was, uh, it felt very dreamy. Um, and you would never, you would never think, you know that that it's really a thing and then only when you play like your second and third and fourth and fifth it becomes like okay you know this is a this is a thing now you're actually in it you need to you need to concentrate yeah yeah and so obviously your dad also played for Springboks. and so did this have a big impact on your career did, did he have a big role in your career throughout yeah definitely definitely um that's that's a great man he, he never he never put pressure on any any of or me or my brother to to play rugby. Um, I mean, he's he's larger he's larger than life, and so sort of it was also natural that his um, that his kids would be big. Um, there's a good story where the old Springbok coach, which was um, 
he was the coach of Stellenbosch, the university also. He saw my mom and dad walk down, uh, walk down a, a lane in Stellenbosch and told them, listen, yeah, you guys need to get married because my mom is also very tall. You guys need to get married because South Africa needs springbok locks. Um, you know, fam famous last words. But yeah, he never, he, he, was, he was always very balanced and he was always very focused on us being able to, to have a, a good balanced life and making the good decisions and, you know, being educated and studying and, and working. And, and, you know, if you, if you play rugby and you work out, you know, it's, it's all on to you. But um, never pressure, pushed us hard. Um, I think when we had school, he, he attended every game he could. Um, Springboks, he, you know, came around the world to see us play. So, yeah, great, great and very supportive guy. But um, definitely, if you think back, you know, if your dad's an international and you're young and, you know, there's that Springbok jersey in, in your house, um, it, it's just there and you, and you, all the moments and the, and, the, and the passion. I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but we, we are very, very passionate about Springboks in South Africa. Um, so, you know, you, we had the jersey and you had the thing in the, in the, um, in the house and, and it was it was beautiful yeah cool so i guess south africa at the moment they're sort of in a bit of a yeah they're, they're not in a sort of a starting place at the moment both domestically and internationally where do you see sort of both domestic rugby in south africa and then the international team where should they align themselves next it's it's, it's a very interesting question um it is it is sort of I agree with them actually leaving leaving the Sansa and joining joining the Northern Hemisphere teams. It, it just makes so much more sense in terms of traveling and, and competition uh, and then creating a sort of a rugby championship thing on the side. Maybe we can travel across again. Um, but they, they definitely need to leverage the, the private investment side like the European clubs are doing uh, in terms to, to keep growth and keep the players keep the players in there. Um, as I said before, rugby and, and all sport in South Africa has a massive cultural impact. So it is important for the country as a whole that, you know, the sport still works. Um, where it will go and where it will position itself, I hope I hope the World Cup made a hell of a lot of difference and in, in, in young guys wanting to stay and wanting to commit and to, to, to rugby. Because um, it, it's important. It's important that local rugby is... is um, is healthy and I think actually COVID had a great impact about the local competition it's going to be strong again um, you know they're going to play Super Rugby only in South Africa again so the Curry Cup is going to be like the whole the whole thing now um, which I think you know might might, might make people think you also see the, the the New Zealand side of the I'm not going to try and pronounce that name um, but how popular it was and how many people actually went to watch way more than Super Rugby um, and, and it sort of makes you think, you know, this, this, this could be a great thing if they keep it local, yeah. Potentially, you saw how New Zealand did North versus South, South could potentially split in two, and also that could be a quite a big how money. Could that be, yeah. How could that um, be? Unbelievable. If, yeah. So, just before we finish, I thought a little bit more of a light-hearted one is if you could say your dream person to play, who you haven't played with already, to play in the second row with you, who would you pick? Oh, shit, dream person. Anyway. Um, Probably my brother. I've never played a game with him. I've never ever played a game with him. I think it would actually quite be be fun. Yeah. And would you say so? Who are the best two locks in the world right now from any country? If you had to put them together. Oh, probably um, white lock. Definitely, he just never never say die. 
um, together with with Whitelock. Um, I would say a, a cruise, maybe maybe not this year, maybe a year or so ago. Not a big Doge fan. Um, who else? Why is not? There? Why aren't you a Toji fan? Out of interest. I just think he does it for the fame. I, I don't feel him as a real hardcore rugby player. I think if you take the money away, he wouldn't be there. Um, yeah, probably play other. He's a, he's a real, he's a real athlete. You know, he could probably play basketball or could probably play, do athletics or something. Um, it's just, it's he, not the yeah, passionate for television. Um, probably the, the, the yeah, the, the All Blacks combination, the the the, the, the Blues lock. What's his name? He's very good as well, the captain of the North. Um, uh, Patrick Tupolotti. Yeah, Tupolotti. He was very good as well. I think they'd probably be the best. I could always remember playing against those locks. Uh, back in the day, it was White Locker Romano. It's just relentless. You, 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 you try and be better than them. You, you just can't be. Makes <laughs> sense. Well, a question we ask all our guests is their favorite moment in their career. I mean, I could probably think of tons for you, but what would yours be? Yeah. <sighs> Probably every time that you can have a beer with the guys after a match and look them in the eyes and you feel proud. Um, that's probably the thing I, I miss the most about uh, I miss the, about rugby, you know, is is it's just the, the social side of, of the whole thing and, and the honesty after hard, you, you you work so hard all your life. Um, and then when you when you finish a game and you can you can look each other in the eye and, and cheers a beer and you know you've done your job and everyone is happy and and obviously that involves winning. <laughs> so, um, so as you say, yeah, there's, there are, there are plenty, plenty, plenty of times and, and not to take away the, the, the big games and the, and the big moments and playing in front of big crowds, and big stadiums. I think the, the smaller intimate moments are the ones you remember the most. So yeah, yeah. The, 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 the good beers, the good cold beers after a match. That's oh. really interesting. Cause when we talk to other guests, it's always the glory moments, but that's quite a, humbling thing to hear is that yeah, people well, no, you do still appreciate yeah. appreciate the game and the passion for it well flip yeah. can i just thank you on behalf of both me and matt for coming on that you've been such a great guest and that was a really interesting one our first african on the podcast as well so another constant yeah. conquer for us yeah cheers, yeah. cheers guys i uh, appreciate it very much and, and good luck with you guys and um thank you for thank you for thinking of me um and i'll i'll listen to you guys uh, uh, attentively Thank, Thank you very much. All right, guys. And good luck with the uni, guys. Thank you. Thank you Keep safe. Much. All right. Cheers. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.